Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge families to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. It's great to be back with you again. So last week, we tried to cast a vision for the value of evaluating where you are and resetting your priorities and goals with each family member, your marriage, and your family as a whole. I hope you had the opportunity to do that, and if so, drop us a line and let us know how it went. So we've been working through that process in our own family this past week, and it's been so good to have a chance to hear from our kids what they're seeing and feeling and get everyone on the same page with some changes that we can make going forward. It was a lot of work. Um, first, we all took some time to write out our answers. Then Katie and I had an extended one-on-one time to discuss goals. And then we discussed it as a family. And if you had been a fly on the wall, you would have laughed because our four-year-old was bouncing around all over the place as we were going over our goals. And we eventually just got to a point where it was like, okay, looks like we've reached our limit. But hey, that's real family life, right? And what's funny is that it was even before we had given her a bunch of sugar because we made s'mores last night. So anyway, it was lots of work, but really such a good process. It really feels like we'll be on a better trajectory now. There are a couple of things that stuck out to me in this process this year, and I just wanted to talk about a few of those things that happened and give you some examples of what it looked like for our family. So first, involving the kids in evaluating and goal setting for themselves increased their buy-in, and we've already seen them taking ownership of their goals. So for instance, our son, he's 12, made a workout plan for himself, and he had his weighted vest on today as he went through his first workout, so that was cool. Another one of our kids said she needed to be more faithful in reading her Bible, so I set her and her sister up with a Bible reading plan for 2022. You know, nothing crazy here, just a chapter a day, but I'm really hopeful because I think they'll get so much more time in the Word from having a goal and a plan. Lesson here for us, involving your kids in the development of these goals is so important I really think that if we had just told them what we want for them, it probably would have not really felt like their goal that they needed to own. And plus, it gives them the chance to practice goal setting, which is a good thing. Second, taking the time to evaluate our family in this way has really helped us see some things that would have been difficult to see otherwise. So for instance, one thing that we hadn't seen prior to this process was that our girls really need designated quiet spaces in our home. We recently transitioned to having all three girls in one room, which overall has been great, but it has had its disadvantages, like the fact that they don't have a space they can go when they need to be by themselves. And we just hadn't anticipated that this would be a new need, but all the girls were really excited about this upcoming change, and they're willing to pitch in to moving and designing the spaces in our home, which is great. So that was, you know, something that was unexpected, and I think it would have been hard to see outside of doing this evaluation. And lastly, there were some encouraging things that we may not have realized had we not taken the time to evaluate them. So it's really important for us to remember that an evaluation does not have to be just a list of the things that you want to change. In some cases, it will be. But in other cases, it's a chance to celebrate what God has done in your family. There was one particular area that both Katie and I thought was lacking, but when we took the time to discuss it as a family, we realized that, hey, that's actually going pretty well right now. That was really encouraging to us. I think recognizing progress definitely gives us new energy to keep moving in the right direction. So anyway, it has taken a good bit of thinking and discussing and processing, but it's been a really cool process for us, and we hope that you and your family are able to do something similar soon if you haven't already. But before we move on, something hit me as we were going through this, and I just want to make sure we communicate properly because 
if we're not careful, an exercise like this, as valuable as it may be, can allow some false assumptions or some bad thinking to creep in. So I just want to be crystal clear about this. So all of these goals and good intentions and plans for our families can be so good and so helpful, but they are not ever an attempt for us to earn God's favor or to make us righteous before him. If you're in Christ Jesus, your righteousness and my righteousness come only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through his death and his resurrection, he has done everything necessary to reconcile us to God. So if we start to assume that we're getting points with God or whatever, we need to stop and remind ourselves of the gospel and remember that really all of these things should be in response to what he has already done out of an abundance of hearts filled with gratitude. Hopefully, everybody listening to this already knows that, but I think it's really so important to remember and make sure that we don't get that backwards. So we've done the more exciting and inspiring work of identifying our goals and priorities and things like that and setting the direction we want our family to go in. So that's great, but just like any ideal that we want, there's usually some sacrifice and work to get there, right? Right. We need to stay the course. So here's an example that might help us see this more clearly. Many of us have at least one really big trip we want to take with our kids. And by the way, notice that I used the word trip in that vacation because we're going to be bringing our kids, and I think we all know that requires a lot of work, so it doesn't really feel like a vacation, more of a trip. You get my point. Anyway, so imagine the excitement you felt when you and your spouse identified where you want to go as a family. Maybe it's Hawaii, maybe it's Europe, you know, like our family. I'm so pumped to take our kids on a cross-country adventure in 2024, and yes, we've already begun planning, which is saying something for me, because if you know me, you know I am not a planner. I'm like the anti-planner. Planning is a different department called my wife. But anyway, the kids and I have started to map it out and have started brainstorming ideas, and it's a lot of fun to think about. And Katie and I have already started thinking through logistics and costs and things like that. I actually even asked my boss like many years in advance if I could take a month of vacation. So we're laying the groundwork, and Katie's been really faithful to set aside money so that we can start you know, the funding to pay for it. But notice here, we can't just go because we thought of the idea, right? Time and money need to be set aside. Communication and planning are required. Why? Because time and money are not infinite resources. In fact, they're very finite. And this is true for all of us, and especially so with time. We all have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and only the number of days and years that God gives us on this earth. And if you have kids in the home, you've probably been feeling that crunch on your time. But what we always have to remember is that the time God has given us is enough time to do what he has given us to do. My friend Melissa at work said to me one time, and I've never forgotten it, There are enough hours in the day to do God's will. I love that quote. Isn't that great? We all know it's true, even if sometimes we don't feel like it. But that has been such an encouragement to me over the years. So we do have the time. The question is whether we will use our time well. And setting goals and setting up a structure to stay the course is a great way to focus your efforts so that you do spend that time well. And as Paul says in Ephesians 5.16, to make the most of every opportunity. All right, time for me to stop talking. Katie, can you share what you think will be critical to stay in the course for each of our families? Sure. So I agree. It's much more exciting to identify where we want to go than to do the work to make it happen. Booking hotels and budgeting and making packing lists just aren't the things that we wake up excited to do each day, right? But we really need that vision to help us stay the course and to finish all that work. In the example Graham just gave of the trip, the only reason we set money aside and don't spend it now is the fact that we can see the value of what's coming and it's worth the wait and small inconveniences now to eventually get there. So before we dive into how to get there, let's define what it is that we are trying to get to. 
We love Stephen Covey's concept of beginning with the end in mind. If you accomplish the goals you set out, what will things look like in your family? What's going to improve? Imagine your lives if you accomplish each of the things that you've set out this past week to do. Will you be healthier? Will you be more content? Will you feel more rested or purposeful? Will this restore joy and peace in your home? Just like we picture actually being on vacation, and that helps us get through the logistical planning and sacrifice, we need to have a clear vision of what will be gained if we accomplish these goals that we've set out and if we reprioritize so that we will stay on course. I would just add here that whatever any of us are picturing would be really good, but we can also count on God blessing us with more than our picture. So let's take this opportunity to exercise faith in His goodness, trusting Him that our obedience in these areas will be blessed beyond our current imagination. As Ephesians 3.20 says, He is the God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So with our vision in mind, I would argue that there are three critical things we need to do to stay the course. First, we need to identify what we can reduce or remove in our schedule and maybe in our budgets as well to make the space to do this. As Graham said, God did give us enough time. He created time. He created your family. He designed your purpose. And he also built in Sabbath and rest. The intention is not for us to run ragged trying to do as many things as we can possibly cram into our days and weeks and months. That's the world talking, trying to get as much from us as possible. Even very well-meaning people will make requests of us that just aren't what God has given us to do, and we must learn to discern which of these things to say yes or no to. So this is really, really important that we first stop and evaluate what can go to. So Isaiah 40, 28 to 31 reminds us that when we are doing the work God has given us to do, he will renew our strength and helps us to keep going. It says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This passage reminds me of Jesus' response to his disciples in John 4 when they come back with food for him from town after he's been talking to the woman at the well. And he says that he has food they didn't know about. In other words, his strength was restored by doing the will of God. So let's really be diligent to prayerfully and carefully consider what we commit our family's time to and do things His way, trusting that as we do His will and rest in Him, He will give us all that we need to do the work He gives us. If we're feeling weary or worn out, it might be a good time to reflect and ask if everything on our schedule really should be on it. That's usually a good indicator that maybe we've taken on something we should not have. So as a quick aside, there are two things that have really helped me learn what to say no to. First, if you aren't sure whether or not to commit to something, I'd suggest waiting one to three days before you commit to something new. Often in the moment, you know, we can feel really excited about something or just, you know, feel a desire to help or that kind of thing. And we just ought to stop and really listen and ponder first and go back and look at our schedules and really think, do we actually have the capacity to do this well? And can we continue to do the other things we have on our plates well and all of that? Time has a way of helping you see more clearly and not just be caught in the hype of the moment. And the second thing is ask your spouse. 
Trust their judgment in knowing you, your strengths, your limits, and help you set healthy boundaries. Several years back, I realized the importance of asking Graham before committing to things, and it has been so invaluable to me. It just didn't really occur to me how critical that would be, but truly, my life is significantly more peaceful because he's really helped me pull away and be careful not to commit to too much. But there are other times when I need to say yes, and it's awesome to have Graham's encouragement and buy-in when committing to those things. So it's just a good balance and a good check for me. We don't do it perfectly, but his input has made a significant impact on my well-being and keeping me more rested and able to have a clearer purpose and more energy in the things that I do commit to. So as we think about what we should commit to, here's a hard question that's convicting for all of us. What do we need to remove from our priority lists or schedules so that we can focus on what's most important? Is it TV, social media, sports, news, something else? It'll be different for every person and family, but most likely there are one or more things that are sucking up our time, things that don't add value or bring life or bless others and move us in the direction we believe God is calling us. Maybe you don't remove things entirely, because maybe you can't, but just cut them back. Maybe we're not being as efficient as we could be. None of those things are necessarily wrong that I just listed, but the question is whether they're crowding out the most important things. We cannot and should not try to do it all. We can't just add a bunch of things without making sacrifices. So we all have to answer this question for ourselves, but we have to ask it and consider it carefully. The second critical thing to achieving big goals is to break them down into smaller, more manageable tasks. I think we can all identify with the feeling of looking at a huge project we've never done and feeling so overwhelmed at the idea of even starting or where to start. Some of us just freeze and never start. Others try to tackle it in a full-on sprint and burn out after a week. What we want is something that's sustainable with joys built into the process. This principle will be true for your kids too. So we really encourage you work together and brainstorm what the first steps should be for each person in your family. It's a great way to work together as a team. You'll be surprised at the ideas that your kids have for you too. So, you know, work and listen and help each other. And as you do that, one of the really cool things is now everyone knows what each other's goals are and what their first tasks are. And you can now encourage one another. You can check in with each other. You can support each other along the way. It's a great way to build your family. So the last thing is accountability. This can look a lot of different ways. And here are just a few ideas. Create the first three steps to attaining your goal. None of them should take more than a couple of weeks so that you can accomplish them quickly, but you do need to make them as measurable and time-specific as possible. My dad calls these quick wins, and they are so helpful to keep us going towards our goals. Set times on your calendar right now to check in and see how you're progressing, and do this as a family. Think about this in a corporate setting, for an example. Let's say you're given a project that will take six months, and no one is going to check in with you until it's due. If you have no regular check-ins with anybody during that time, how likely is it that you would get behind or get off course or not finish or have to cram at the end and not really do a great job? But with that same project, if you have weekly or monthly meetings with your boss or a coworker to report on your progress, you have extra encouragement to stay the course. So you have something to report and have opportunities to troubleshoot if you get stuck along the way. With our families, no one else is going to check in on us unless we set that up, right? We have to build this in to our rhythms. So if your family is going to meet to discuss progress, I just would encourage you, make that meeting fun. Make something about it a more enjoyable environment. Incorporate some other elements that will make everyone look forward to this time. 
go get takeout maybe, or go on a bike ride beforehand or play a game or have a special dessert. So don't just make it all a, a meeting and you know all serious and do something that your family enjoys together. And consider incorporating into the evening specific ways to celebrate the progress that you guys have made because you will have some progress and that will be really exciting and it will just generate some more momentum for that next month. Amy Frank said this a few weeks ago in her interview, but it's worth repeating. Christians should be the best celebrators out there because we have so much to celebrate. And God is a God who loves to bless us when we've been obedient. He even commanded all kinds of festivals and feasts for his people. He loves celebrations. So it's good and right for us to celebrate within our families as well. Yeah, those are great. So the three things we're encouraging are, number one, finding things in your current schedule or lifestyle that you can reduce or remove or become more efficient in. Number two, breaking the goals down into smaller tasks that you can accomplish quickly. And number three, building in the necessary accountability to stick with it. So now we're going to dive in a little more practically to each of these three important concepts. So first is reducing or removing things in our schedules or becoming more efficient with our schedules. And we're going to spend most of our time here because this will involve some difficult decisions as we talked about earlier. So here are a few questions you could ask as a couple or as a family to help you find what to cut and what to keep. So first question, what things are your family doing right now that are most satisfying, most fulfilling, and that you feel the strongest about keeping? If you can focus in on those things and make sure you determine as a family, yeah, we don't want to cut this, that can help you realize the things that you may need to cut. Two, what's draining your energy right now? So this is the other side of the coin. Uh, How could you reduce or eliminate those things? Third question, what do you do for leisure and are these activities truly restful and rejuvenating or are you just passing the time and being entertained? Could you cut these back and still enjoy them? So this gets back to the question that Katie was mentioning earlier. Is it social media? Is it news? Is it sports? Is it TV shows? You know, there's so many different things that we do for leisure. Do we need to spend all those hours on it or can we cut back? This is a question for you and your family to determine together, but it's a question worth asking. Next question, are there some inefficiencies you could shore up? Obviously, there's much we could dive into there, but just something for you to consider as a family. How about driving time? Can you use that better? So most of us, if you have a young family, you're probably like us. You spend a lot of the time in the car with your kids, and it can start to feel a little wasteful if we're honest. So the question is, how can we use this time better? Maybe you could use this time to ask some heart questions of your kid or have other meaningful conversations. You can memorize scripture together. You could work on academic stuff. And for example, back when we were in a classical conversations co-op, we would put in their CD to help our kids memorize the history timeline. Yes, admittedly, maybe not the most enjoyable way to drive around, but it's certainly made for a good use of the time as our kids filled their minds with all these historical facts. So that was a really good use of time. So when you go on errands, could you bring a kid along and invest in that relationship as you go? This is one of my favorite times with my kids. We always listen to fun music in the car, so I get some points for that. Uh, But seriously, it's a great opportunity to spend time with your child and accomplish something for the family. There's certainly a place for intentional dates. We love that, scheduled quality time. But everyday things like running an errand and doing it with your kid, that can be great bonding time as well. And there's so many teaching opportunities along the way. And of course, I love it when I get to take a kid to Lowe's. Of course, I love pretty much any opportunity I get to go to Lowe's, but you get my point. On a similar note, I would say involve your kids if you have a project around the house. This is something I try to do 
uh, so much of the time when I have a little handyman project or something like that. For example, the other day, my 10-year-old daughter and I converted a natural gas grill to a propane grill, and we were really learning it together. I had never done it before, so we got on YouTube, and we had all the tools out and everything. It was a great time, and now we have a working grill, but more importantly, every time we use that grill, we can have that shared memory together, and she did not just watch. She helped me, so for me, that was like hanging out and doing handyman stuff. Total win-win. It was awesome, so I would encourage you to do that every chance you get. Another question, are there other families you could live in community with better and help each other to reduce the loads of both families? Things like carpooling, babysitting trades, uh, cooking dinners in bulk, things like that. When our kids were smaller, uh, we did a babysitting trade with another couple, and it was awesome. Spouses get much needed one-on-one time together. You get to invest in each other's kids. Your kids get to hang out and strengthen friendships. And on top of all that, you both save a lot of money. So that is just an awesome arrangement. We highly recommend finding another couple that you could trade babysitting with. On the carpooling front, our son right now is playing basketball. And there's another family that we're carpooling with. And it has been such a blessing for us to get to know the parents better and to get to know each other's sons. And our sons have gotten to know each other better. It's just been a great arrangement for us. So very thankful for that. And we're saving each other a ton of time. It's been a really good dynamic. Uh, and it's allowed us to be more efficient with our time. So just something for you to consider for your family. Okay, another question. Are there ways that your kids could step up and help more around the home? And here, I want to challenge all of us. Our kids can do so much more than we often give them credit for. Um, It's kind of funny, but a friend of ours who grew up in Thailand told us that she was cooking over the fire at age three. Um, (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not recommending letting your three-year-old fix dinner, but the point is, in general, kids will step up into what's expected of them. All standard safety disclaimers apply, of course, but what we're talking about is giving your kids the opportunity to contribute. That's the key word, contribute to the operation of the family. And whether they can verbalize this or not, it is such a good thing for kids to know they're producers in your home. As part of the evaluation process that we did this week, our eight-year-old said she wants to start making meals. So now that's one of her goals, and she is totally old enough. She just needs the opportunity, and she needs some training. And trust me, you are not going to rob your kids of their childhood by giving them work to do. When kids know they're contributing, they will be so much more satisfied and fulfilled than if everything is just given to them and all they do is play. So to circle back on that first question with all this in mind, what are one to three things you could reduce or cut from your current lifestyle to make room to work on these things that you've identified in your evaluation are the most important to your family. And I often find that when I'm trying to identify things like this, it's helpful to hear some examples of how others have done it. So we've provided a few examples, but Katie, could you share a few other ones that have helped our family to cut back on? Sure. So we've done a few larger resets as a family to re-gear and make more space to grow. And some of these we find just to be good um, annual rhythms. One that we started a couple of years ago now has become an annual thing is to fast from sugar and junk food in January. By the end of December each year, we have managed to increase all of our bad eating habits with desserts and snacks and quick meals, and we find those hard to scale back on little by little. I also find this is very challenging to do if I'm the only one doing it or Graham were the only one doing it. So we've determined to make it a whole family thing, and this is now our third year doing it. On New Year's Eve, we'll let the kids have their final favorites of dessert or candy or snacks, and then we go through our whole pantry and fridge and freezer, and we literally throw it all out. We throw out all the processed and sugary items so that we won't even be tempted to do otherwise. And every year, it's hard 
especially the first few days as we adjust. But it's something we're accomplishing as a family. And I think that builds our relationships in a cool way because we can encourage one another. It also fosters some creativity to solve the I'm hungry problem. We still want and need to eat, so it's time to go back to old recipes that we used to enjoy. We look up new recipes and try out new snacks. In the end, our bodies feel better. We've spent a lot of time together in the kitchen, and we've produced things together. And a lot of times we find new meals that we love and incorporate into the rest of the year. Remember that hard things can often also be really good things if we stick it through. And as a caveat, if we're out at a party in January or something is served to us somewhere else, we do let the kids have some. We don't want this to be an issue of legalism, but the point is a resetting of a pattern. Another example was a couple of years ago for Lent, we decided to give up all screens. And we don't always do this um, at Lent. This isn't like an annual thing for us, but we decided that that year it was something that we really needed to do. And obviously that wasn't possible for Graham's work or even our phones entirely, but we tried to reduce to whatever extent we could with phones and cut out all TV and movies and other non-productive computer time. And again, it's not about legalism, but consciously pulling way back. This helps us to see how much time we're really spending in whatever activity we're doing, in this case screens for us, to break any addictive or unhealthy habits that we've gotten into and they've gotten too strong. What really amazed us is that when we did this, we, we thought, you know, it's just for a little bit of time and we'll just change things. But honestly, we're still reaping the benefits from doing this a few years ago. Truthfully, Graham and I still haven't watched a TV show individually or as a couple since before that Lent because we've just been so thankful for the time that it created for us to do so many other things. It led us to be much more purposeful with our time and have a lot more time in the Word. And it feels like in general, we just have more quality time together. And now pretty much every single day, Graham and I are both up together and reading our Bibles individually and then coming together to pray before he leaves for work and That rhythm alone is really incredible, and it just wouldn't happen if we were still staying up late and watching TV. In fact, our kids pretty much all spend similar time like this because it's just become a family habit. So I certainly didn't think that stopping TV shows would lead to better Bible habits, but God has a way of working much more than we can imagine with our small steps of obedience. And all that we could see was that TV had too much of a hold in our lives at that point, but What God did with it was much bigger and has allowed for a whole host of things that we can look back on now and be like, wow, we wouldn't have done those things if we were still using our time watching TV shows each night. So I'm not trying to, you know, make it sound like TV is some horrible thing, but I do think we want to think about how much time with any kind of activity like that is it really taking and could we be doing something more meaningful with that time? Uh, The other thing that's been really great is our kids have become a lot more creative. They rarely ask for TV anymore, and just I feel like their behavior has improved. I don't know that it would always be like that in every family, but it does seem like these are pretty common benefits. So speaking of behavior, we've also done several behavioral resets along the way as we start to see patterns of selfishness or disobedience or other bad habits in in our kids or in our family. So um, next week, we're going to take a deep dive into two systems that we have absolutely loved in our home that have reaped the best benefits for us, and particularly because they don't require a lot of parents once they get going. And that's often a big challenge is maintaining these things. And so these two systems have been awesome for that. But these always start with recognizing what needs to be addressed, determining a way to train the kids and explaining corresponding consequences if they won't comply or rewards if they do. 
We usually launch these with a family meeting to explain and give them a short warm-up period, and these are what have allowed us all to have some sanity and rest within our home along the way. We also systematically increase responsibilities. Usually this happens at summertime and at birthdays. They're both good times to consciously increase responsibility in the home and take the time to provide training so that our kids are better prepared and empowered to be contributors, like Graham mentioned earlier. And then lastly, spiritual growth is one that we um, will often use reset patterns to happen. Uh, We'll designate time currently used for other things to create a family rhythm of devotions together in the morning or prayer time during family nights or things like that. We also utilize the kids' spiritual birthdays to do this, helping the kids learn to read the scripture for themselves or begin taking sermon notes or working in their prayer journals or memorizing passages and things like that. That's just a good point to increase the responsibility of their own spiritual life. Yeah, and back to the TV thing, I think for Katie and me, we realized that TV, as she said, just had kind of a hold on us. It has an addictive pattern to it, and that's something we realized, and I don't know if the same would be true for you and your spouse, but it's just something to think through. But one of the things, and I know that everybody's going to laugh at me, and I'm okay with it, uh, because while we did stop watching TV shows like just me and Katie, one of the things that we started doing was watching Little House on the Prairie uh, as a family. Katie always laughs at me when I tell people that. I guess it's not your typical show for a 40-year-old man. Uh, but I love that show. I think the acting is so good. Um, anyway, it does get pretty intense at times, but I love how it normalizes trust in the Lord, solid family behavior, and respect for authority. So anyway, highly recommended. You are going to have to uh, maybe prep your kids for some of the episodes because it's a little intense, but I love that show. And we watch it as a family, and it's great. Anyway, each of these have been so helpful in making true trajectory changes for our family over the years. So to clarify for anyone who doesn't use the term spiritual birthdays, what we did for our oldest three who have received the Lord, we marked down the dates that they committed their lives to Christ, and we celebrate them each year. And we do dessert and gifts and give them a chance to reflect on their own growth and challenge them in a new way towards future growth. This has been a really special thing for our family that our kids look forward to and can reflect back on uh, on the commitment that they made and how they're progressing in their relationship with Christ. So that's been a really cool rhythm for our family. So hopefully those examples from our family sort of get your wheels turning and you may have very different things tugging at your heart. And that's great. We would say, listen to the Spirit. Uh, If He's convicting you now about something that you ought to cut back on, listen to that and obey that. And remember, in all things, get excited because letting go of one thing will give room for God to grow something great in the life of your family. And as Katie mentioned, when God works, He works awesome stuff, and He's going to work more than you can even think of right now. And I just love that about our God. So Katie shared some examples of you know, resets in our family, and we ran through some questions to consider uh, to find those places to reset in your own family, perhaps. But here are a few questions for you to work through with your spouse to break your goals into smaller tasks and to set regular rhythms of accountability. That's a key word there, accountability. We all need it. And you can find all these questions in our free downloadable form. You can get that on our website, strategicfamilies.com. And that document is called Family Evaluation and Goal Setting. You just put your email address in there and it gives you the ability to download it. That's right on our homepage. And you can also find it under resources. And we've added a part two to this form that helps you strategically think through this second part of the process. So first, you'll take each goal you set out 
and determine the first one to three tasks that you can do towards that goal in the month of January. As Katie said, remember, we need quick wins, right? So make these measurable and set specific dates that each one will be accomplished. So, you know, and this goes for your kids as well. You know, it would not be a good goal to just say, I want to be nicer to my sibling. It needs to be something that you can measure and at the end of it say, well, did you accomplish that or not? And something general like that is going to be hard for them to realize whether they accomplished it. So remember to think in small baby steps that you can be confident you'll finish, but that you'll also feel a sense of accomplishment if you get there. So finally, identify and set a time on your calendar for the end of January or beginning of February to assess your progress. That's really, really important. And also to celebrate accomplishments and then set out the next one to three tasks for February that you'll do to make further progress. And you can see where this is going. You want monthly check-ins until they're complete. So to summarize this process, once you've identified your priorities, because I know we've talked about a lot. So number one, Consider what you'll drop or cut back on to make room for your priorities or ways you can be more efficient with your time. Number two, break down your goals into smaller tasks so that you can accomplish them quickly. Number three, build in the necessary accountability to stick with it. And you can do it. We know you can. We believe in you. And we are excited as you start making these changes in your family. So you might be thinking at this point, when does this process end? You know, really, it's not just a one-time thing. This is a process that is so good to do regularly in the life of your family. It does take a while, but once you get on a better trajectory, we're confident that this will breathe so much life into your family, and you'll be able to see the Lord do really awesome things in the weeks and the months ahead. Well, that's all we have for today. Our hope and prayer for you is that you'll take on this challenge and lead your family into resetting your trajectory for 2022 and beyond or whenever you're listening to this and that you'll stay the course and get to see God work in great ways in your family that you can't even expect. So the next four times, we're planning to dive deeper on some systems and rhythms that have brought tremendous amounts of peace, joy, and life into our family that we'd love to share with you in case you can use some or all these ideas to bless your own families. Check us out on strategicfamilies.com. And if this show has been a blessing to you, we'd love to have your review on Apple Podcasts as it will help other people find the show. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.